This is One on One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With the top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One on One's NFL Friday. Welcome to our WFUV studios in the Bronx, New York City, New York. Mike Watson, Kenny Ducey with you for this edition of uh, one-on-one's NFL Friday. Uh, a lot of football to talk about here uh, coming up, but but obviously I think it's the first thing on everybody's mind. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention it um, be, because obviously um, this is difficult for everybody, um, and, and I'm hoping everybody is able to get through this and everyone's um, – I, I, I guess uh, my, my point here, Kenny, and I want you to talk about it, the, the Sandy Hook shooting um, in Connecticut um, – if a situation like this makes you question God, I hope that the response um, reinstills faith um, in, in God. Um, a very, very difficult shooting, um, and and, and uh, you know, so many children's lives lost. Um, Kenny, you're you're you you live in Connecticut, you yeah, know? Yeah, man, I I live thirty minutes away from it. My sisters were twenty minutes away from the scene this morning. Uh, the these apparently the suspect was cornered just a mile from where my sisters went to school with guns. So uh, it's real surreal right now, and uh, it's just a terrible tragedy. Uh, it, and, uh, I mean, it really hits way too close to home. And, you know, again, I, I don't think today's the time for politics or anything like that. Just, uh, you know, let's let's keep those those families in our prayers. And even the family of the killer uh, killed his mother, uh, according to the report today. And it, it's got to be it's got to be tough for any, everyone who lives up there. Uh, but you know, it's, especially for me, it's uh, it's just it, you know, Newtown was known as one of the safest towns, uh, you know, it, and just like my town, a very quiet town. Uh, so it's it's really really strange to see something like that happen there, and and you never like to see that. And hopefully, everybody moves on and and, and gets better. Um, and obviously, it's safe the same way Columbine was safe the same way. Um, that movie theater in Colorado, um, mm. Aurora, Ohio, a year ago, um, which is uh, about 30 minutes from, from where I live in, in Cleveland. So um, obviously you did not come here to listen to us babble on about um, obviously one of the great tragedies that, that I think we're ever going to experience. Um, it, it's got to be up there on the list, obviously, with, with um, the, the nature of it. But there it, are... And it happened on my parents' anniversary, uh, which is... Which is strange, but you yeah. know, to to lighten up the mood, I'd like to say happy anniversary to my parents. So there are good things something. to talk about, yeah. Um, and obviously, uh, you came here, hopefully, to listen to two people um, talk about their limited knowledge of football, and that's me and Kenny. Uh, Mark Canizzaro from the New York Post is going to be with us a little bit later to talk New York Jets. Um, obviously, uh, a guest we've had on this year, he's the real deal, so we're going to have him on. He's on Twitter, at Mark Canizaro. But, Kenny, uh, let's look back to yesterday. Cincinnati and Philadelphia, and Cincinnati picks up the win there. Nick Foles didn't look bad, uh, but, uh, you know, Cincinnati, uh, who's in that wild card chase, comes away with a win against a team that they really should have beaten. Well, I, I mean, when you when you block your own punt, you know, it's you're not going to win. <laughs> and, I, I mean, I was hilarious just to watch that. Uh, no, I was, I was with... I was with WFUV's Mac Rosenberg last night watching the game, volunteering here at WFUV. 
Uh, and he was going nuts. He owned the Bengals D in, in fantasy, and uh, if you own the Bengals D, then you are the true winner uh, of last <laughs> night. Not the Bengals, the the fantasy owners of the Bengals D. I, right, like the Seahawks uh, D owners from, yeah. the, from the Cardinals <laughs> game that, that put up 45 points. Oh, that, was, that was absurd. But, I, I mean, the, the amount of turn, five turnovers, uh, it, you know, it's going to be hard-pressed for you to lose that game. I, I look at the Eagles. And Bryce Brown uh, exploded onto the scene the first couple of weeks he was in uh, in the starting lineup. And now look at him. He's not doing anything. He fumbled the ball last night. And, you know, you look you look at the Eagles and, and where they stand, and they have Foles at quarterback, and is that who they're going to have going forward? And so many questions there. And I don't I don't personally think they should fire Andy Reid. Will it happen? Probably. Uh, if, you don't, if you say it's not going to happen, you're probably just in denial at this point. And then on on the Bengals side, you salvage your playoffs hope, you salvage your playoff hopes. You face Pittsburgh coming up. That's obviously going to be a big test, and they're going to eliminate themselves. Uh, one of them is going to be eliminated after that game from playoff contention. So uh, on the Bengals side, things things are looking good. Green Ellis, good game. AJ Green, good game. Andy Dalton still chucking it. Yeah, uh, a lot to like about Cincinnati. Obviously, uh, we you you uh, talked about it with me this morning that that. In essence, really, this doesn't kill the Jets either way, whether or not yeah. Cincinnati won because of this upcoming matchup with Pittsburgh for Cincinnati. Yeah, I read I read a couple tweets last night that they're actually I think there are there are thirty two scenarios where the Jets uh, make the playoffs or so I don't know what, but the 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 fact is that six scenarios would have been eliminated if the Bengals won or lost, excuse me. And six scenarios were eliminated because the Bengals won. So uh, no impact whatsoever on the Jets' playoffs hopes, uh, ironically. I thought that it would have a big impact. I was rooting for the Eagles at first, and I saw that, and I said, well, you know what? doesn't matter. So at least there's a bright spot if you're a Jets fan. There aren't many of those uh, nowadays, Mike. (laughs) As Mark will will tell us about here, I'm sure, (laughs) in a moment. But um, obviously we got Pickham later in the show. Steve Seminary is going to talk some fantasy because it is playoff time for most of you out there in uh, fantasy land. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, general NFL, uh, what's going on elsewhere outside of New York. But the place we should begin has to be the New York Jets. And, of course, we'll have on the New York Post beat writer for the Jets in just a moment. But where to begin with the Jets than with our own beat reporter, WFUV's own Joe Vidiello. Joe. Want to hear something for the first time all year? The Jets are on a winning streak. That's right. Dan Green has won back-to-back games for the first time this season, first edging out the Cardinals before holding on against the Jaguars this week. It wasn't a very pretty win, but is it ever? I mean, we're talking about the Jets. As usual, Dan Green continues to make headlines during the week. They re-signed former wideout Braylon Edwards, And they also announced that Tim Tebow will no longer head the Wildcat offense, at least for the near future. These are two very questionable moves. Edwards only has 23 receptions since the start of last season, and now is back with Mark Sanchez, an average quarterback at best. With Tebow, he is now relegated to being a normal backup quarterback, possibly forcing Greg McElroy, maybe the best quarterback on the roster, to inactive each week. The Jets now head to Tennessee for a Monday night matchup with the Titans. Gang Green needs to win their final three games and get a lot of help to make the playoffs. Rex knows he has a tough road ahead of him. You know, look, 
in the fact that we're one game under 500, I, I think you're probably not in the playoff conversation. You know, so to me, um, you know, we just we just need to keep our our head down and, and keep winning games. We we know the only way we can affect it is to to win. You know, win our games and then. We'll see what somebody tells us. I think they'll be able to make it three in a row with a 17-13 win on Monday Night Football. And I'm even warming to the fact that they may run the table. But I don't see them getting the help they need to make the playoffs. Covering the... I'm Joe Vidiello, WFUV Sports. And that's Joe Vidiello's Jets uh, report for this week here, our WFUV beat reporter and... Now we're joined by the New York Post's Jets beat reporter, Mark Cannizzaro. You can find him on Twitter, at Mark Cannizzaro. And, of course, I, I follow your Twitter now, Mark, and so I, I was looking, and you were watching that 12-12-12 concert. You, you told me before the interview that uh, you did not get to MSG, but what was your favorite act that you ended up getting to see? Well, uh, I really would have liked to have seen Eddie Vedder earlier in the show, but I was out to dinner, so I didn't see that part. And I'm a big Springsteen fan, and I know he let off. So I didn't see that. I actually thought from the point I, and I started watching, which was right around when Bon Jovi was on, uh, I thought the I thought the Who outclassed everybody, in my opinion. And I actually had seen the Who last the previous week uh, in Newark, which was kind of cool. But uh, they, you know, they, I mean, they, who did you know? They did six six tunes. I was a little unimpressed with the Stones, to be honest with you. I thought that was not really. I mean, they just did kind of two tunes and got out of there. Um, I, mean, I thought the who was good, and I thought McCartney closed it. Other than uh, he did slip in with kind of a boring wings tune or, or, or two, but uh, you know I liked Helter Skelter and I liked the way they closed it. Absolutely, and well, I, I liked Pete Townsend telling me to have a beer on, on live TV too. It was great. <laughs> Is that all he said? They didn't even have a something beer. Didn't he say that? Yeah, something like that. I got to tell yeah. you, the guys who were bleeping had a very questionable effort with <laughs> Kanye West, but. Uh, Let's talk football here. Cincinnati won last night, and obviously they're in the middle of the pack, uh, leading the way for the seventh seed, which of course doesn't make the postseason. Tell me, how does this affect the Jets' playoff hopes? Well, it, it affects it pretty adversely. Uh, the Jets, much like in 2009, you know, kind of need some miracles. They need all, you know, every domino to fall in the exact proper spot for them. And last night was a pretty significant one not to fall their way. Um, you know, the Eagles showed a little life the previous week, so I think that there was a little hope that they might give the Bengals a run. But, uh, you know, the Eagles did what they've been doing for the last two years, which is turn the ball over all night. So um, so it hurts the Jets badly because the problem is Cincinnati is now 8-6. and six. The best the Jets can get to is 9-7. and seven. Uh, And the Steelers are going – the Steelers play the Bengals, I want to say, next week, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm, that's um, right. And so one of those two teams is going to get a win. So if that's a Cincinnati win, then they're nine and seven. I mean nine and six, I should say. And then of course can clinch a playoff spot regardless of what anybody does if they win their their last game. Um, so the Jets really needed to kind of keep everybody as close to them as possible, you know, so that they can get to their nine and seven. The, the, the Jets are going to have tiebreaker problems. Uh, first of all, with Pittsburgh, you know, head to head they've already lost the Steelers, so that that's out the window. Uh, so they can't, you know, they, they basically need the Steelers to lose one out of their last two and for the Jets to to win all all of their last three for them to have a sniff. So, it, you know, listen, it's not all around the possibility. You know, everybody that followed this team in 09 
you know, which, I mean, even Rex counted them out of the playoffs at that, at that point. He, he was so distraught at 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, You know, everything fell their way in a bizarre way, and including the Colts basically laying down because they were, you know, they were building for the playoffs. So, you know, I listen, you know, if you're a Jet fan, you just want to see him play better, score a couple of touchdowns this week on offense, and uh, and keep winning, you know. Um, they get to 9-7, and seven, you know, and play better football, you know, maybe there's a little more hope for the future for them. But uh, I don't think you need to really think about the playoffs at this point because it's just kind of, it's it's out of their hands, really. Well, you said Rex counted them out. I, I think he would say his team has a Super Bowl shot if they were two and seven to start the year. So I mean, that's that's pretty remarkable that he did that. No nine. All right. The, the news of the week, though, Braylon Edwards. He's coming back to the Jets, and uh, it, not at, at a better time, I would say, because Mark Sanchez now Stephen Hill has an injury, and he, he's looking lost out there, looking for anybody to catch the ball. What does he bring to this club? Do you think he can make an immediate impact if he does play on Monday night? I don't think he's going to make a massive impact uh, because I think, I think Braylon's kind of on the other side of it now a little bit. But I do think that he'll bring some comfort level to Sanchez. And uh, if he is indeed able to go, which it kind of sounds like he's going to go. Uh, and frankly, the Jets are going to look pretty stupid if they if he can't go, to be honest with you, which they've kind of major in anyway, but looking stupid <laughs> that is. Uh, but, you know, so, you know, so I mean, start to put a claim in for him and uh, – and for him not to be able to play seems kind of ridiculous. So my suspicion is he'll play. He won't make a big impact, but he'll catch a couple few passes. Uh, and, you know, it helps Sanchez, you know, comfort level a little bit. So, you know, I, I, listen, I, I was, I'm somebody who thought they should have brought Braylon back, you know, before the, before the season. You know, I, I think, obviously, you know, he has not been that. He hasn't been healthy in the two years he's been gone. But he's a pretty, he's a good team player. You know, as much of a knucklehead as he can kind of be at times, Braylon is one of the best blocking blocking receivers in the league. Um, and, you know, he's a pretty defensible target for Sanchez. He's not going to be a, he's not a game breaker. I thought the Jets should have brought him in. You know, he would have played for the minimum in a heartbeat. You know, pay him a million bucks, one, two, five, you got him for the year. Even if he's not quite healthy at the beginning of the year, he, you know, he can lead. I think the Jets overthought things and wanted to develop Stephen Hill, which I totally understand. But you're also in the win business, too. And uh, they left themselves incredibly thin and bare at receiver. And it's killed them this year. I mean, you know, I mean, look at the people that Sanchez has been throwing the ball to. I mean, you know, Chaz Shillings hasn't stepped up and been any, any sort of force. And this is a guy that came in with, I don't know, 20, 20 or 30 catches in his career you know, before he got here. So they've really, really done a terrible job on the personnel side. Uh, you know, and I, I really believe that that's been a big part of Sanchez's problems, not to make an excuse for Sanchez, but I think what happens is, you know, he hasn't had Dustin Keller virtually all year, and he's still out now with the hamstring, and that's his, that's his most dependable target. Outside of that, Jeremy Curley's been around, and he's a, you know, he's a nice player. He's a nice, should-be number three receiver out of the slot. But, you know, right now he's your most credible receiver. I mean, that's all you need to know about this team. So, you know, Cannonbaum and uh, and Rex and their whole personnel department left, you know, they, they irresponsibly left them two standard skill position. And, you know, that brings us to Braylon. Can he be a B? Braylon's not going to catch nine passes for 151 yards on Sunday, on Monday night. I guarantee you that. Let's put it that way. I, I could see him catching three, four, maybe five balls. 
uh, you know, and, and being you know at least somewhat dependable target for Sanchez. And some would, of course, argue that you mentioned all those receivers, but Cromartie is still the best out of that pack <laughs> right now. Uh, you mentioned four or five balls maybe this week would be a great week on the part of Braylon Edwards. You also mentioned that maybe Stephen Hill could have, you know, it was, you know, they were trying to move him along. But in terms of bringing Braylon in, it, does he help the young guys at all? Does he, does he have something he can teach them? Is he only here to play? What's the value of bringing him in with two weeks left, three weeks left? Well, the value of bringing them with three weeks left is because they need somebody to, 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 to line up a receiver. Uh, he happens to be a guy who knows, at least somewhat knows the system, even though Sperano's system is different than what they ran with Schottenheimer. But, you know, and he's a familiarity with Sanchez. So, you know, I mean, basically he's a body right now. Uh, I think people, anybody that's trying to make this out to be some sort of high-impact offensive force that they're bringing in is, is – uh, is misreading the situation. And it has, obviously has not seen Braylon before in the last two years. He's really caught barely any balls and has had a hard time staying on the field. So, you know, they just need bodies at this point. And to answer your question, I think Braylon certainly can help Stephen Hill. Um, he certainly can't hurt. Like I said, I think Braylon is a guy that means well and is a team player. Now, with three weeks left of the season, is he going to take Stephen Hill under his wing and, impart some sort of magical wisdom? No, I do not think that's enough time for that. But, you know, anything Stephen Hill can do while he's on the sideline injured to watch and see Braylon play, and particularly block. I mean, this guy is a tenacious run blocker, and I think that's going to help him a lot on on Monday night as well because the Jets right now are committed to running the ball and basically, you know, having shackles around Sanchez so he doesn't screw the game up. So, you know, I think I think that's a little bit of an understated way in which we don't really look at Braylon, but he's really can help them. I think in the in the running game uh, immediately, um, but can't you know how much he's going to be able to impart on a Stephen Hill for the next three weeks? Probably not much, but I think that's not to say that Braylon doesn't want to help the guy. You know, Braylon's probably swimming and trying to you know look at the new playbook and try to figure out where he's supposed to be. So it's a little hard to be a mentor when you're doing that as well. And during the week, of course, Braylon did say Mark was a beast. Don't blame Sanchez. Uh, all right, let's move on and talk about the Titans game here. Now, Mark Sanchez, surprisingly second in completion percentage over the past four weeks in the AFC, 65.6% of his passes going through to receivers. So going forward against the Titans, is he the X factor here? Is he the guy much like most of the weeks in this season, he needs to step up and continue to complete his passes at a high level to win this game? Well, I, I very much believe Mark's the X Factor every week. I think as Mark goes, the Jets go, and that's really been the way it's been for a lot of his career. You know, outside of the early part in 09, his rookie year, when the defense was just carrying that team. But, you know, when Mark is successful and not turning the ball over, that's when the Jets play well. Their running game usually is just pretty good. Um, I thought, excuse me, and I expected it last week because there was, you know, there was so rattled by what occurred, you know, in, you know, in the uh, previous two weeks, you know, the New England game and the, and the, and the Cardinals game with all of the turnovers. Uh, I, I really expected it, and it, it played out that way. Then in Jacksonville, they didn't let Sanchez do anything. I mean, they, they had a reins around him, tightened around the collar. I think they're going to have to let those reins loose a little bit because I think Tennessee can score a little bit. You know, they've got some offensive weapons. 
Um, the Jets are not going to beat Tennessee seven six on Monday night. Um, you know, or they're not going to beat them ten ten nine. You know, the Jets are going to need to score upwards of twenty points to win this game, in my opinion. And to do that, Sanchez is going to need to complete some passes. Uh, so, you know, uh, yeah, it's kind of something I'm going to write for my you know my Monday column. Actually, is just that they can't get away with, you know, having the shackles that tight around Sanchez and expect to win the game. Because, frankly, Sean Green and Bilal Powell, neither of those guys is a dynamic, game-breaking running back. They are a couple of, like, middle-of-the-road backs that have some talent, that can run some, you know, you know get some gaze of first downs, run the clock down, and control the game, which they did with you know, against Jacksonville, particularly in the third quarter when the offensive line took over. But these guys aren't, you know, touchdown makers. So they need Sanchez to be a touchdown maker. They need to get him in the end, him to get them into the end zone, you know, a good three times, you know, for this game if they're going to win the game. Now you mentioned Sean Green and Bilal Pelley said they're not game-breaking backs. One guy who has been certainly in the past is Chris Johnson, and we know this run defense has their problems on the New York side. Do you think Chris Johnson... Uh, well, you know what? Let's do this. How many yards do you think Chris Johnson goes for here? And is he really going to be the difference in this game for the Titans? Well, he very well, well, very well may be. Their run defense has not been good, um, the Jets. Um, interestingly, because of the last two weeks, they have catapulted up the defensive rankings listings of the NFL stat book, which Rex is always very obsessed with. You know, they're eighth overall in defense, you know, which is pretty impressive. But when you think of the two quarterbacks and, and offenses they just played the last two weeks, maybe maybe not, you know, maybe that's a little bit of a, you know, take that with a grain of salt there. And I think that comes into play this week because they have not faced a running back like Chris Johnson. Although, you know, Johnson's not having a great year, let's be honest. Um, you know, he's not the same guy that he was a couple of years ago. I mean, You know what? I think Johnson may get up near 100 yards. I don't think he's going to blow him out, the Jets. I, I have a feeling you know, the Jets will be so keyed on him. I could see them, you know, doing a pretty good job gang tackling. I, mean, I, I look at their different backs, but Marshawn Lynch, for example, in Seattle, the Jets did a fantastic job on him until Seattle, you know, blew him out. You know, they, you know the Jets offense just couldn't score a touchdown, obviously, that game, and finally the defense broke. But I could see the Jets defense having that kind of a game where they kind of corral Johnson the way they did. Marshawn Lynch before that fourth quarter, you know, dam burst. So I don't, I don't see, I don't see Johnson running wild on the Jet defense, but the Jet run defense, which I think is ranked 29th, even though they're, you know, they're overall they're ranked eighth, is definitely vulnerable and uh, and suspect. So that bears watching without question. Well, and Mark, I'm I'm looking at one of your columns here this week. The the headline uh, in the New York Post was uh, "Jets win over pushovers, not earning them respect." Your first line: the Jets can't win. They they cannot win because even if they beat a team like the Cardinals or the Jaguars, people look and go, "Okay, you beat the Jaguars and the Cardinals, and that's not really that big a feat." Tell me a, a little bit about what you think this team can maybe earn the rest of the year respect-wise if they're able to do well and, and uh, kind of explain the premise of that. Well, the, the premise of the column was essentially kind of as you said. I mean, they, you know, I mean, 
look at the quarterback they faced in that Arizona game. I mean, that guy was barely a college-level quarterback. John Skelton, the, the former Fordham grad. No, it wasn't even Skelton. It was the, it was the Lindley? other kid. It was, the, it was the rookie, Lindley. Yeah. So, uh, Lindley. So, I mean, this guy, I mean, he made Sanchez look like Johnny Unitas in that game, and Sanchez got benched. So, uh, you know, the other side of it, too, is, and again, I know there's no style points given out in the NFL. I get that, okay? But you can't go life and death with the Cardinals benching your, your starting quarterback and winning 7-6. Only to the following week, watch the Cardinals go out and lose seven days later, 58 to nothing to Seattle. I mean, that's like, that just shows you how bad the Cardinals are. Now, the Jaguars are a 2-11 team, and the Jets were life and death with that team in the late second half. So, yeah, they won the games. That's all well and good. But, honestly, does anybody – I mean, the Jets go into this game on Monday night, guys, having won three out of their last four games. The only game they lost was the New England game, which, you know, listen, first of all, New England is a far superior team. And the blowout, you know, you can certainly make the argument that was an anomaly. It's just one of those nights that everything everything wrong could happen and the Jets did. Coupled with the fact that they're an inferior team, that's not a good combo platter for them. But – I mean, this team has won three out of four games. Does this team feel like a hot team on the on the on the make? You know, to to, to run to make a run at the playoffs right now? Not at all. I mean, you know, this team you get the feeling around this team, and, and when you when you certainly listen to radio shows like like the one we're on now, the Jets fans are feel like this team has lost three out of their last four, or maybe even all all of the last four. So it's the way they've performed against the bad teams and. What can the Jets do to earn? I think the only way the Jets can earn any respect down this stretch is to win out, finish nine and seven. You know, everybody can say, "Oh, well, you played a bunch of you know nothing teams down the stretch." Obviously, San Diego's coming up; their struggle this year, and then the Bills in the last game of the year. You know, none of those games is going to be easy because the Jets aren't that good. But if they win all, if they win out, you're talking about a team that what were they? They were four and seven. I mean, no. you're talking about a team that you know that won its last five games. You know, that's impressive. I think that's impressive when you look at the body of work and, and, the, and the, the offensive skill position players the Jets have had this year, which has been almost none. Uh, and the ones they have had have been injured. You know what? I, I think that's when you, you know, if they go 9-7, and seven, that's when you sit back and go, all right, you know what? They made their own bet early in the year. They scuffled, you know, when they shouldn't have scuffled. But that's a pretty good coaching job by Rex Ryan to win five games in a row at the end of the year, even if they don't make the playoffs. Now, I'm not saying that makes it all hunky-dory for next year and you stand pat, because this team's got a lot of issues. But I think, you know, you, you give, you, you've given their due respect that they, if they win out. I mean, frankly, even if they finish 8-8, eight and eight, they were 4-7, and seven, so they've gone 4-1 and one in their last. You know, yes, it's, you, know, you can make the argument that it's garbage time, but, you know, listen, they're still alive for the playoffs, and there's three weeks to play, and they won't get eliminated this weekend. So, or unlikely, I don't think they're going to get eliminated this weekend. So, you know, you give them their respect. But, I mean, nobody's going to, you know, if they finish 9-7, and seven, nobody's going to be doing cartwheels because they know this team is flawed and uh, needs a lot of help. And then it's going to be unbelievably compelling at the end of this season to see what happens with the whole quarterback situation because they owe Sanchez, as we know, you know, a million, I mean, $8 million and a quarter, um, you know, next year guaranteed. What are you going to do? And, and who's all, who else is out there? There's really no – draftable quarterbacks I see out there that are no-brainers that are going to come in and make the kind of impact that, you know, that, that Luck and, and, uh, and Griffin have done this year. So, you know, and there's not really a lot of free agent quarterback guys out there that will be available. I mean, you want Michael Vick on this team? You know, is Alex Smith that much better than Sanchez with, you know, with no talent around him? I think they're the same quarterback. 
so, you know, it's going to be compelling to see what they do. I, I think at the end of the day, Sanchez is going to be the starting quarterback next year, much to the chagrin of Jet fans. But, you know, the Jets clearly need to draft somebody in the second or third round or something, you know, one of those next-tier quarterbacks. I hope they, they hope they, you know, they make a hit with them, you know. So, oh. hey, guys, I'm actually just pulling into uh, to the Jets facility right now and uh, I get a run into a Rex Bryan press conference. So I'm going to have to say goodbye. Well, Mark, thank you. Uh, the New York Post Jets beat reporter. You can find him on Twitter at Mark Canazaro. Thanks so much for coming on and uh, go, go talk to Rex. Thank you. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, so thanks to Mark Canazaro, obviously, but it's it's time to talk here about Pickham. This is all about us here, Kenny. The Jets need to get some help and run the table to make the postseason. Obviously, I don't know how far they go if they made it, but for them to to get you know into the playoffs, they need to start here with the Titans. Are they able to do it? You know, I usually give a score for all these games, Mike, and it, <laughs> it's a mystery with the Jets how many points they're going to put up. Are they going to go against Buffalo and put up 51 or – However many they put up the week one, or are they going to lay an egg? Six points, no points. I, you don't know. I look at this game. I look at Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson, as Mark said, he they think that he thinks that they'll keep him at bay. You look at what happened to Marshawn Lynch. Jets game planned right for him and and shut him down. I think Chris Johnson. I agree with Mark. I don't think Chris Johnson has that good of a game. So for that reason, I think that the Titans won't put up. As many points, I think they score at least two touchdowns, Mike. And I think that's my my friend, not my friend, but my boy, Jake Locker. Uh, I think he's going to have a good game against that Jets secondary. And that's how they're, they're going to score. He's not going to throw over 200 yards, maybe, 250 yards. But I think overall the Jets win this game because of their, their momentum here. And I think if Braylon Edwards plays, that'll only help him. And we know what Braylon Edwards can do on Monday night. And obviously concerns uh, the Seahawks saying that Braylon was injured during the season and that that may be something that may be Pete Carroll with some with some bitter grapes. I don't know. I mean, I think he just still hates Sanchez for leaving. So <laughs> that that's completely possible. Take that at as face well. value. Yeah. Um, so it, your your pick here is the Jets. The, the Jets. Jets. Go with the Jets. Julian, of course, goes with the Jets as he always does. Good, Nick, good job, Julian. Nick says he's going with the Titans. Uh, Steve will be in later. We'll ask him during our Pick'em segment where he's going with this game. And for me, again, it's a crapshoot. It really, really is. Uh, and, and so I, I, I want to say the Jets, I really do, because I think they have more on the line. But I just see the Titans finding a way to eke this one out. So I will go with the Titans right. here. So that's why that's why you're right all the time. <laughs> you pick against the Jets. <laughs> it is it has helped my record tremendously. Uh, but uh, another team that's been helping my record tremendously this year has to be the New York Giants. Let's go, Kenny. What is that? Is that a chant for me? That, yeah, I, you, I thought so. I, I'm not. I'm not the beat reporter. Uh, do you know who we should be chanting for? It's, uh, Eric that, Malo. That, that, that Malo kid. It wasn't supposed to be that easy for the Giants last week. They thrashed the Saints in their leaky defense 52-27 on Sunday. Eli Manning threw four touchdowns, and the Big Blue defense forced four turnovers. The star of the show was rookie running back David Wilson, who rushed for a career-high 100 yards and scored three touchdowns, one of them coming on a 97-yard kickoff return. This week, the Giants head south to Atlanta to take on the 11-2 Falcons. And head coach Tom Coughlin understands 
his team faces a serious challenge. We prepare uh, this week for a very good Atlanta team, a team that uh, has the most wins in the NFC, tied for the most wins in professional football. So they're a very, very talented group, and uh, we look forward to the challenge of trying to prepare for this Atlanta team. Atlanta is coming off a loss to the last place Panthers, so the Giants have to be ready for a team that's hungry to win. They're coming back home, where quarterback Matt Ryan in the Falcon passing game thrives, and they're looking to play for the NFC's number one playoff spot. And while the Giants seem to click on all cylinders against the Saints, they'll need to do even more this week to stop Atlanta. So what exactly do the Giants need to do? Well, they need to keep the ball out of Matt Ryan's hands. That means David Wilson, who will get his first career start with Ahmad Bradshaw out, will need to stay hot. And the defense needs to continue to force turnovers. The longer Matt Ryan is on the sideline, the better chance the Giants will win. And I think the Giants will win. My prediction, Giants 26, Atlanta 18. It's December, and the Giants know what it means to finish strong. Covering the Giants, I'm Eric Malo, WFUV Sports. Hey, it's that Malo kid. I, I love that. I love that music, man. That was that was <laughs> funky, and and I love that chant before. It has a good ring to it, Kenny Ducey. I think we might hear that one day. Either Kenny Ducey or Eric Malo. One of you guys is, is going to be... Two syllables and then two syllables. There will be much chanting had. I, I can promise you that. Uh, obviously, uh, a good game last week out of David Wilson. I think that goes without saying. Uh, an unbelievable game out of David Wilson. I, Where I, did I was, he come from, Kenny? Oh, I don't know. I mean, he's a speed back, so anytime you have a speed back and a guy who can make things happen with his feet, you're especially against the the right defense, you can have a good game, and, and that's exactly what happened last week. And, again, you just he runs very well off tackles. Uh, or off tackle rather, you break a tackle up the middle and and you can go into the secondary and gain 10 yards that way. And then, you know, obviously returning, there's always, always the possibility for a lot of yards in that facet if you're quick and elusive. And and that's exactly what what David Wilson is. And it, it was funny. Some uh, I, one of my friends was saying, "I, I can't wait until the, uh, the the comparisons drawn where the opposing team is just screaming Wilson from the from Castaway." Ah, I did not get that reference. I don't. I don't at first. think you. I don't no. think you've seen Castaway. No, you're, you're giving me the. You haven't seen Castaway. No, it's a classic, man. It, I I'm sorry he's that got, my movie got, knowledge isn't up to up to snuff. He's got this dodgeball and he's alone on an island and he names <laughs> it Wilson because it's a Wilson dodgeball and okay. that's his only friend and then it's it, is David a, Wilson right now Tom from. Coughlin's only friend is is that what I'm getting out of this? No, I mean oftentimes he does look like a, a red dodgeball, <laughs> especially when it gets cold out. Tom Coughlin has a penchant for looking like that. <laughs> he does. But there's this guy on their roster who's won them two Super Bowls before, and his name's Eli. Surprisingly, who so, is this? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I, I think that would probably be Tom Coughlin's best friend. Uh, <laughs> and obviously, he's not his best friend. Well, you know, maybe John Abraham, uh, Matt Ryan, <laughs> guys coming up this week, uh, guys who he's going to be yelling about. This is very interesting, Mike, because the Giants people will say they're the best right now. Uh, the consensus is the Patriots are the best team in the NFL. But people before last week's beatdown of the Texans, mm-hmm. are the Giants the best team? Are the Falcons, are the Texans the best team? And yeah. The Giants and the Falcons, they're up, up top on the AFC East. And OC came out this week and said, we are still the best team in the NFL. Yeah, I said AFC too. I right, mean, yeah, but I mean, I he, he backs down from nobody. Right. Oh, I, guess, I guess is what's so interesting that you're talking about who's the best team and, and what's going on with that. 
Um, but <laughs> you think about about O.C., he's not taking any prisoners. He's not playing around. No, I, exactly. And you look at two of these teams, and their records are uh, they are different. You know, Atlanta, excuse me, they're 11-2, and two, and... You know the Giants wish they were eleven and two. They're eight and five, and yet these two teams are almost on the same level right now. And I think that just speaks volumes, you know, to, to how if you have Eli Manning nowadays, and I'm not going to say he's elite because I don't believe he is elite, but it speaks volumes to him because you're automatically a contender if you have Eli Manning. You're automatically way up there in the NFC, you know. And then this team, I mean, they got a great defense, okay. But again, you look at their defensive ranks. And they're 27th in allowing passing yards, 22nd in rushing well, yards. Well, and, and right now, I mean, you mentioned they might be a great defense, but it seems like they're so on and off based right. on whether or not they can get a they pass sh- rush. They shut down Aaron Rodgers, and then, and then they cave in and let Tony Romo beat him on opening day, who Giants fans will repeatedly tell you is not good. Um, and then, you know, and then Josh Freeman in the week after throws <laughs> all over him. So, I mean, you, you look at, you know, the ups and downs this team's had, but I think the consistent part has been Eli Manning, and it's been strange because Knicks hasn't been there for a lot of the season, and mm-hmm. Eli had a, a rough patch during that during the season, and he was starting to, to get a lot of the blame for the Giants' struggles, uh, you know, when they lost to Pittsburgh, lost to Cincinnati, and uh, again, I mean, this team just salvages – they find ways to pull it out, and David Wilson's just the most recent guy who's been a catalyst uh, for this offense. Well, and I mean, you, you look back just a few weeks ago, and obviously it was a 52-27 win last week over the Saints that, that we were looking back on there initially. Uh, but, but you look back, and okay, a loss to the Skins. Eh, right now, that's actually not unheard of, you know? Uh, yeah. Not like it has been the last few they, years. They got that Griffin guy. Annihilated Green Bay at home. Then the giant the week before that the Giants get blown out in Cincinnati and and score a late touchdown to at least make it look less lopsided, and a loss uh, at MetLife Stadium to the Steelers week nine, and there was that feeling when they went into the bye week that either they figured it out the next week or the season was over because that's what they always do they they find a way during the bye week to reinvent themselves and make it work. That's what I've seen the past few years, at least when they make those runs to the Super Bowl like 07 and like a year ago. And with that loss to the Skins, I went, okay, well, they already beat the Packers. Let's see what they do against the Saints. And they just completely destroyed them at home. Oh, yeah. So you got to feel good right now, at least for me. I'm, I'm thinking the Giants have to feel good, and I think O.C., actually has a good reason for saying that his team is the best in the league. And, and the way you prove your dominance in your conference, because you aren't going to get a shot at San Francisco the rest of the way, right. is is the Falcons. Because you play the Eagles, who suck. And <laughs> you play at Baltimore, to which may or may not uh, make the playoffs. Probably will, obviously, it looks like now, uh, in the AFC North. So this is your chance to really set yourself apart. Yeah. It is, and and you have to win this game. In my, you have to at least win one of these upcoming two against Atlanta and Baltimore. And you mentioned after the bye week, Mike. You look back to last year. After that bye week, two wins: Miami and New England. Obviously, New England. That's a big win, of course. Anytime you play New England over the past ten years, and then four straight losses: San Fran, Philly, New Orleans, Green Bay, and then they they reel off three of four. So I think you know you you look at this year. Maybe we could see a miniature version of that. You know, maybe they get the win, and maybe that one loss is there. I mean, it's hard to compare one loss to four straight losses, but I mean, maybe they win three of four down the stretch here again. 
And if you win three of four, that means you have to lose one, and Atlanta and Baltimore are two very capable opponents. So, you know, if you want to draw the comparison to last year, and last year, obviously, you know, pretty good year. They didn't win a Super Bowl. So if you win three or four down the stretch, you're okay. Again, the NFCs, it's probably yours at this point, and... Right. If you win two of the last three, you've essentially guaranteed yourself. I, 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 I don't right. have the standings in front of me, but you have to be pretty much in the clear at that point. Yeah, no, they're, they're uh, eight and five. Right. And then the, the Redskins, seven and six, and Dallas at seven and six. And, uh, well, I mean, Dow- Dallas no, has no uh, easy schedule ahead of them either. But, again, three or four, That I think that definitely got you the division uh, in the NFC East. And,. It would not be surprising for me to see this team lose to Atlanta or Baltimore. You'd like to say every one of these games is a must-win coming up, but it really doesn't have to be that way. I mean, you lose to Philly, now that's bad. Uh, And you know that Philly's not going to go down without a fight, and I can see it in my head right now, the Giants losing to Philly. I mean, they they, Mm -hmm. lose to Philly all the time. It's like the... It's like the Jets beating the Patriots. Jets never have any business beating the Patriots. No, but when you're in a rivalry game, you throw all the records Absolutely. out the window. Absolutely. Every time. And, and uh, you know, do, do, the, do the Eagles really think they care? You know, if they have Nick Foles under center, no way. Because they have Jeremy Macklin, who's been playing pretty well, and obviously not well enough to win them that game last night. And they'll probably have LaShawn McCoy back by then. You never know. You can't, you can't take any of these guys lightly coming up. And the first stop uh, is in Atlanta. And, and that's going to be a tough game, Mike. I, I'm... I don't know how the Giants are really going to approach this one. Well, and it's something that our, our uh, producer in the back, Julian Atienza, mentioned uh, when kind of thinking about this game. The Giants' defense against the Atlanta receiving core. You've got oh. a, a great tight end, an all-time great tight end in Tony Gonzalez, and then Roddy White and Julio Jones uh, out on the outside. Whenever you're facing a team like that, who do you stop? Because then they've got you know Turner at, at running back, and they've got a couple other guys they work through there. And then to top it all off, Matt Ryan is a more than capable quarterback who does pretty well in the face of pressure. So you got to think that the Giants need to apply a lot of pressure here in this well, one to, to really shut them down. Well, not only that, Mike, but who do they have to stop these receivers? I mean, it's it's ridiculous at this point. Amukamar has been ruled out. You got, mm-hmm. okay, J. Ron Hosley. Ho- 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 right. yeah. he's, a, he's a rookie. You got Bruce Johnson. Uh, who? Exactly. exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, there, there's so many guys on this defense that are either hurting. I, I mean, the Falcons averaging... 289 yards per game through the year. That's fourth in the National Football League. The Giants, they're giving up 256 per game. That is ninth. So, uh, or excuse me, they're getting 256 per game. I don't know what I'm talking about. They have a terrible pass defense. It's 27th in the league. They average 252 to opponents. So, the Giants right now not a favorable matchup. But again, we've seen the Giants go up against good pass defense or good pass offenses and win games. Like somehow. the Packers, right? Like the pa- I mean, the, probably the best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. And Aaron Rodgers, skill wise, I think that they can do it. But they just they need to really center around Tom Coughlin and and game plan and figure out some exotic blitzes to kind of keep Matt Ryan eating the turf. And, uh, and that's how you win this game if you're Big Blue. Well, and then you look at the other side. You mentioned John Abraham as a guy who Tom Coughlin likely isn't going to go out for drinks with at any point <laughs> this week. Nope. And, uh, I, I mean, obviously you, you want to keep Eli up straight. But more importantly, I, I think this team should continue running the football the way they have because 
there, uh, Hynoski had one carry for five yards. And I think Eli had a carry for negative two. But I think 11 carries for Bradshaw for 33 yards, maybe 10. And then, of course, David Wilson went nuts, 13 carries for 100 yards and two touchdowns. You'd really like to see them keep that going. I think that's a good way to slow down a guy, a great pass rusher like the Falcons have. No, I'd agree with you. I mean, you know, you need to run, again, and I would run away from John Abraham because, you know, the guy's not just uh, an Aaron Maben type who rushes the quarterback and can't do anything else. I mean, he's a good tackler. I would I would certainly pound the ball in there. Now, the question is, it becomes, you know, are, do you trust David Wilson enough to run up the gut and, and to really carry the load for this team if you need him to? Uh, and you know Ahmad Bradshaw is, is a tremendous competitor, and, and he wants to be fed the ball. Um, and so, you know, again, the run, it might work, but it's not your strength. The, well, the and the Falcons are, are 23rd in the league in, in rushing, as, as Julian tells me from behind well, they have the Michael Turner. And again, this no all, against the rush. Oh, okay. I didn't know you said it. Yeah, but uh, Ahmad Bradshaw too. He's questionable. So right. You know, you don't know, again. If if you have to go with David Wilson as your starter, I'm not so sure that you can line, lean on the run. I mean, he's a rookie and he had a good game last week. But if look you at look Bryce at his Brown, season, man, look yeah. at Bryce Brown. Two good games and look at what he flopped. So you don't know. Well, and even Andre Brown, I you know, yeah. is is a guy who showed up and disappeared and when, he got once Bradshaw got yeah. back right. Uh, so when you look at this game here, obviously there's some, some compelling storylines. You want to see if OC can back it up, and you'd love to see him get a couple sacks if you're a Giants fan. Mm. Obviously, David Wilson coming off a career day, perhaps the turning point for his rookie season, uh, the rookie out of uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, and, and then, obviously, the Giants coming off a big win against the Saints despite a couple of Eli interceptions. So, Kenny, when you look at the whole of what's going to go on this week here against Hotlanta, if you will, who are you taking and, and, and why? Uh, you know what? Uh, it is a really tough call for me yeah. because the Atlanta Falcons have had the better track record. They've had the better luck this year, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Giants, you know, things have gone their way of late. They come in. And honestly, I think it all depends on whether or not Ahmad Bradshaw plays. And I don't even think, and I know Ahmad Bradshaw's a tremendous competitor, but I don't think if he plays, he's going to be at 100%, and he's going to be running the way he does. And I simply don't think David Wilson uh, is good enough to, to really carry the ball and get the lion's share of carries for the, for the Giants and, and win them the game. And then it comes down to Eli against that defense, and I think that defense wins. I love Dunta Robinson. Uh, so, you know, one of the few corners picked in the first round who still is relevant uh, what, what I mean, six years ago, seven years ago, he was picked. But mm-hmm. anyway, I think the Falcons win this game simply because the Giants, their secondary is just hurting right now, Mike. And uh, Ahmad Bradshaw also hurting. David Wilson, yeah, he was he showed promise last week, but he's better in that secondary role. I, that's just my opinion. Right, and and so you're going with the Falcons yeah. here. Uh, Julian is going with the Giants. Nick is going with the Giants. Uh, we'll get to Steve's pick a little later on, but but when I look at this matchup, I, I agree with you really on all counts, but uh, essentially I'm banking on OC following through because if Matt Ryan is uncomfortable, you at least give yourself a chance to disrupt that passing game. And if they can do that, and maybe you can get some carries. If Bradshaw's healthy, obviously, you'd love to see him kind of continue to work back and forth with David Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's obviously a big part of it. But I, I am going to go with the Giants here. 
Um, and, and it's tight, and it really is. And I could I could see this coming down to a last-second field goal, frankly. I mean, it's just going to be that good a game. But, uh, again, I'll go with the Giants uh, along with our two guys in the back because they know what's up. Um, and uh, real quickly, while we're still on the Giants, sure. you know that, that the Redskins and the Cowboys both the game back in the NFC. It's kind of similar to the uh, AFC wildcard picture because the Cowboys and Redskins play each other the last week of the season. The Redskins, they got Cleveland, Philly, and Dallas coming up. Pittsburgh, uh, excuse me, Dallas has Pittsburgh, New Orleans, and Washington. So the Redskins, they got RG3. They have the favorable schedule. Let's see if they capitalize, and let's see if the Giants can hold them off. Well, and obviously the Browns, I think, have won, what, five of their last seven yeah, or man, something? Yeah, you're, man, you're, you're upset right now. I, I am. I wanted a great draft well. pick. Uh, Trent Richardson actually was a good draft pick. Uh, stunner, out. yeah. Three in uh, a row. <laughs> and, and obviously RG3 a little banged up, that knee. He says he's healthy. He practiced all three times this week. They're, they're so. going to announce at game time who starts. Right, so, although uh, I think it's pretty clear if he practiced all three days. I might have to put my Kirk Cousins jersey in the in my drawer for a while. I, I tweeted that. I tweeted that I ordered my Kirk Cousins jersey. I didn't actually order one. Uh, don't spend money on a Kirk Cousins jersey, please. No, not yet at least. Ba- bad business decision. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, uh, it, it'll be tight in the NFC East the rest of the way. Um, let's move on here from the Giants. Let's talk about everything else that's going on because – uh, there, there was another tragic story here this week um, that, that I want to get to in a minute. I, I want to leave that for last here. Uh, we'll begin uh, in, in our general NFL segment with the Bounty Gate uh, final decision still, by Paul Tagliabue. We're still talking about Th- it. This is, this is the end-all, be-all, hopefully. This ends the whole dang thing. And nobody gets suspended. That's the <laughs> final tally of it all. Zero suspension. Throw it out all the. Throw it all out the window. Of hey. course, coaches are still suspended, but I mean the players. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, what? He's oh, it's week fifteen. Yeah, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I, I. The, the first, they uh, Darren Ravel did a poll. Sure. I, I, do you think less of Roger Goodell now? Yes or no? And I was gonna say yes at first, and I said no, no, because I thought. I thought less of Roger Goodell as soon as he as soon the as soon as he made the first move to back off of his decision. As first as he started to to like to, to hear the appeals to say, okay, Sean Payton, you can go to the game. You know, Vilma. You know, they they reviewed that and and now you know then he finally just hands it off to Tagliabue. So the, the whole situation, okay. You, you review the material. You review the evidence. What's right, but, prevented but, in front of you? You make a decision. But at what and then point you is your decision-making ability tainted by the fact That's that your reputation is on the line? That's why I gave it to Tagliabue the whole time. That was right. something where but, he said, "What I'm saying is, my hands are off." But my, I'm saying his reputation is already tarnished because mm. because it, he is the NFL commissioner, Mike, and you you don't just make a decision. In a, you know, it didn't necessarily. It didn't take him a couple hours to make that decision. You review everything that's presented in front of you, and you make a decision on what to do with these guys. All right, and he did. He made his decision. He goes, "I'm the NFL commissioner. You're suspended. You're suspended. You're suspended." Right, and, and now all of a sudden he's going, "Okay, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe this happened. Okay, maybe that I I necessarily shouldn't necessarily have done this." All right, you know, it's gotten to the point. I don't want you know to be questioned anymore. I mean. You can't be questioned in this case. You know, you, you either decide that he shouldn't have been suspended the whole year, you know, one guy or all of them, 
I think that you don't back off. Okay, Look, like that's or my hate. that's my. I've talked about this on before right. on the show too. That that's my opinion. You don't back off as soon as you make a decision. And if he wanted to back off at all, then he should have given it to Tagliabue and said, you know what. He's not the commissioner anymore. If you want somebody that's going to be soft, you talk to Paul Tagliabue. But I already made my decision. He can rule on it now, you know, because people really upset what I said. Well, here, here's the thing. Let me lead off of this. Maybe you like the Morris Smith, the, the NFL PA's head. Maybe you like him. I personally don't have a great favorability towards him. He gave an interview to CBS that I, that I saw um, in its entirety where essentially he said, I used to be a prosecutor, a defense attorney, one or the other, and I know it needs to go into a criminal investigation because essentially when you're saying, I'm going to suspend this guy for a full year, uh, you, it's essentially a criminal investigation. You better be right. Right. That's what And I'm he said that this was the sloppiest investigation he's ever seen. You're dealing with essentially a bunch of rent-a-cops, whether you want to admit <laughs> it or not. Anytime you're going with NFL security, look – you don't have the same resources that the NYPD has right. or that any police department. Has. It's different. So you need to make sure that you get it right. And if Goodell, for even a second, thought that he had it wrong, he needed to say, okay, let me give it to the only other man on the planet right now who understands what it's like to be the end-all, be-all decision maker of a sport like this. And that guy is Paul Tagliabue. Been there, done that. Not not with this particular situation, but he's been there and done that. So why wouldn't you go out and say, look, you haven't been tainted yet. You haven't been in all these meetings. You haven't been. You look at the evidence holistically and the interviews and make a decision. What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. Then, then, then. But I'm saying. Are you saying you should have done, done it earlier? Initially, yes, initially. Okay. And you, you just, you kind of. Uh, were, I guess I'm kind of proving your point. Well, then, aren't well, you I? were making my, you were saying exactly <laughs> what I'm trying to say, Mike. Is that he, this was a sloppy investigation, and he right. made he made a decision that wasn't right. And you're, if you're going to make that type of decision, you need to make sure that you're not going to get second guessed. There's not going to be backlash because, uh, of course, of course, if a player suspended for a whole year, there's going to be backlash from the player. Of course, so you have to you have to expect that. And you have to make sure that there's undeniable evidence in front of you that says, no, no, this is why I gave you that punishment. This is why you're not seeing a football field because of X, Y, and Z. That's that is as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And if he thought he was too tainted to make the decision, if he didn't like a player, you know, if maybe the CBA, the new CBA, actually, there were issues there, and uh, you know, there was a claim that Goodell shouldn't be the one making these decisions. And I think in this case, he, he shouldn't. Right. Because he is then, a biased party. at the beginning, give it to Tagliabue. Right. That, I agree with you. Frankly, I think this finally sets a precedent for the situation we, down I the line. I am glad I never have to discuss this again, <laughs> ever. We'll bring it up next week. No bounty uh, paper towels. <laughs> um, in, in a totally somber twist here, uh, I, I think the other major tragedy, the, the, the Javon Belcher tragedy, obviously horrifying and, and its ramifications felt around football. A week later, uh, tragedy in Dallas, uh, the Josh Brent situation, um, a, a drunk driving accident, 
Uh, the driver's blood alcohol content was more than twice the legal limit, uh, uh, allegedly, obviously. Um, I, at this point, I, I, after the Javon Belcher case, everyone said, oh, is it the gun culture in the NFL? Is that it? At what point is there just an idiot culture in the NFL that needs to be? And, and it's not everybody. Frankly, it's a very tiny minority, a very small number of people. That, that I put in the idiot section of the NFL. Guys like Pac-Man Jones, who just don't get it. But I, I just sit here and go, it's a terrible tragedy, but when are these guys going to learn? I don't I get don't it. Know. And I, I don't know if I'd call them idiots because everyone makes you know everyone makes Obviously. bad decisions, and and this was certainly a bad decision. And, and you know I actually appreciate the, the way that the Cowboys played and had that emotional victory on Sunday, and I think that that was a very good tribute to their teammate. And uh, It's always important to win that type of game. But I agree with you. I mean, there's so much politics. There's so many talking heads, you know, in, in, uh, in sports. And Bob After, Costas, obviously, was right, one and, of them. And we love Bob. And, yeah. And, you know, and again, sports and politics, there has to be some short sort of uh, you know, division between those two, and and I'm sure that everyone understands it. But again, you, you look at the, the bad decisions that are consistently made by football players. I mean, how about how about Des Bryant? All right, now everyone hating the guy because he he, he uh, there was a domestic dispute with his mom. Right. And what does he do? He goes to the Cowboys, and they they create these rules for him because he recognizes that yeah. in in this football culture, it is very tough not to be. Tempted by all the money, by all the you know the clubs, the the bad decisions that could potentially be made, and you know so there's an example of a guy going from someone who wasn't very appreciated the the way he was acting, and now you know it's people are happy that he is being proactive about it. And I think that clubs need to do a better job of making sure they know where their players are, and maybe that has to do with more veteran presence, more more people who have been around this situation, right. Uh, the uh, uh, I I'm forgetting the name. I thought I think it was Darren Williams, but it's not Darren Williams, the basketball player, the the cornerback who was shot on the on the Broncos. Sure, yeah. I think it was Darren, um, spelled differently. Um, but he he was with a, a and it's slipping my mind that whole situation. He was with one of a one of the veteran receivers on the Broncos, and uh, and, uh, and Darren Williams. Yeah, it, Darren Williams. Okay. And uh, and basically, and I forget who that receiver was. He'd been there for been around the league for a while, um, and you know he was getting out of there because they realized that they were encountering a bad situation, and uh, and he was advised that they should leave. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. You know, qu- quick enough. But uh, those are the type of uh, you know you need players who've been around those situations for a while, and maybe that's something that can help prevent this this culture of of getting into bad situations and having bad things happen to you and with josh brent reportedly not his first incident with this um apparently he had a similar um incident in college uh in terms of drunk driving um i i hope that this serves as a lesson i really do um it is a horrific tragedy that comes at the cost of of jerry brown um i Frankly, it was heartwarming to see his mom's response to this. Uh, she allowed Josh Brent to ride with her to the funeral because they had been so close for so long. They were college teammates. They were on the Cowboys together, one on the practice squad, one playing nose tackle um, on, on, the, on the active squad. And uh, 
you just hope that there's a lesson to be learned here because whether it's Plaxico Burris shooting himself in the leg, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a DUI case like this, um, it, it, whether it's a, a case like uh, Junior Seau where people think it had to do with concussions, there are lessons to be learned from all tragedies, you hope, similar yeah. to this. And so you hope that people learn next time. There's a, there's a number that you call, and the NFL will send you a car. They will send you a taxi and pick you, you are, up. You exactly. Use the number. You're, or you it, it, are rich. You're a football player. You get a paid salary to, to and, a, and a good salary to play football. You, you can you can get a cab. And, and there were people that said, uh, you know, in, in terms of getting a, uh, you know, be a man and go get help. If, if you mentally can't handle the strain of being a football player with, with all of the things going on around you. So you just hope, again, that there's a lesson to be learned I know Josh Brent learned it. I, I guarantee you that. Uh, absolutely. He, and, he's and, learned a horrific yeah. lesson. And and by the way, the receiver I was talking about for Jerry Porter, right? Who was with Darren Williams at, yeah. at the at the scene of of that incident, and and uh, it, it really sad story, Mike. Uh, I saw during the week. Josh Brent um, had had to pull Jerry Brown from his out of his car, and this this woman, this this witness, went up to him and uh, after the accident, and and they said, "Well, you got You got to get him out of the car." And and he said he he and Josh Brent repeatedly said he won't get out of the car, he won't get out of the car, and and he was just in disbelief that that is uh, his his, his close had, friend had, yeah yeah had, had passed away like that, and so it's just you know that as soon as soon as that happened, uh, he he knew he had made a terrible mistake, and uh, you hope he learns from it, and I certainly think that that he will in this case. Um, man, just a, just a day full of tragedies. Yeah, right. A week, really. It really, uh, the last few weeks have have just they've come fast and furious. And um, our, our thoughts and prayers, obviously, to Josh Brent. I know he made a mistake, but it, this is such a terrible mistake. And I know he he feels it in the Brown family and the Cowboys organization, those who who are involved. Uh, a couple of games coming up this week that Bear mentioned. Uh, on our part, Denver at Baltimore, Green Bay at Chicago. We're gonna pick them later. But, but Kenny, uh, let's begin with this Green Bay at Chicago matchup, uh, an NFC North matchup, a big one at that. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, I think, plays the biggest role in this game. I think Jay Cutler is too banged up to lead the Bears. What do you think? I don't, I don't know, man. I think Jay Cutler can have a pretty good game. And I, this is always a very fun game to watch. It's Preferably, I like it uh, at Soldier Field. It's nice at Soldier Field. I like it at Lambeau, too, when it's snowing and it's Sunday night. I I would really like this game to be Sunday night. I'm just going to say that again. Oh, of course. And it's, it's what, a they, classic matchup. They, they what, uh, well, not for next week, they flex the Jets out of Sunday night. But, yeah, I, w- I mean, come on. you got to put this Sunday night. Anyway, uh, I think Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he has a tremendous impact. And it's funny. You, know, you look at the 9-4 and four Packers. They should be 10-3 and three right now. And then we're having a completely different discussion of whether or not the Packers are one of the best teams in the NFC East. Or NFC, rather than playing the East. But Jay Cutler shows up for games like this. And Jake Cutler, he's got Brandon Marshall. Oh, yeah, he does. Steve Seminarian here. Now he's shaking his head at me. Jake Cutler's going to show up for this game. Matt, they also got this guy by the name of Matt Forte. and He's he's pretty good. Um, so this is not going to be a walk in the park for either team. And, it, you know, we'll, we'll get to picks in a sec, so I'm not going to say who's going to win. But, uh, man, is this going to be fun. And I think that there are going to be 
It's hard to say they're going to be a lot of points put up on the board, but if anyone can beat that Packers defense, it's Aaron Rodgers. Steve, real quick, now that now that you've joined us here, Steve Seminary, our fantasy correspondent, he'll be with us talking fantasy in a minute. But right now, that Green Bay-Chicago game, your, your quick thought? Yeah, I just don't think Jay Cutler, with the neck injury sustained last week, I just don't think he'll have a good game against Green Bay. And he has a terrible history against the Packers. I'll get into that when we talk about fantasy. And as for the other game that we're looking at this week, uh, one of the major ones, obviously one of many, uh, Denver at Baltimore, a uh, huge AFC matchup, likely going to see this matchup again in the playoffs perhaps. That would be an interesting matchup to say the least. Two different teams. Kenny, what's your take? Um, I, honestly, I, I don't know. It's going to be a toss-up here. and uh, I, I, I'm indecisive right now today. I'm really indecisive about all these games. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a toss-up because for Baltimore, this is their first week on the new offensive coordinator, Jim Caldwell. Yeah. So they may respond to that in a good way or a negative way. We don't know, but the bottom line is the Denver Broncos have showed that they're pretty much yeah, the yeah, supreme but, team in the AFC. But right you have now. Ray Rice, okay, who's who's been on a tear this year. He's always on a tear. He's Ray Rice. And, then of course, Peyton Manning is an MVP candidate. And I actually read a funny article on The Onion that Joe Flacco was happy to have someone who learned how to <laughs> how to play quarterback from Peyton Manning. So it's gonna it's gonna be really uh, really fun to watch here. Kind of Flacco who wants to be he really 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 wants to be someone like Peyton Manning. Um, and honestly, he's the X factor to me in this game. But it's hard to pick a winner, man. Like you you can't. And obviously, we pick winners, and I'm going to pick a winner, but. It's interesting with the Caldwell aspect for the for the Ravens, and at the same time, it's it's Peyton Manning playing against a team that he's beaten so many times in the Ravens when he was with the Colts. Yes, of course, and two guys that he he beat many times while they were playing with the Ravens are Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs, and they will both probably not be playing on Sunday. So it's actually a huge advantage for Peyton Manning to pick apart that defense, I think. And so, they also don't have Ladarius Webb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's some big names they're going to be missing, and that'll probably play into our picks just a little bit. But before we get there... It's playoff time for some people. Oh, oh, that's fantasy. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the top pickups of the week? Plus stardom or sit them to help you win your league. I'm, it's technically like Jets playoff time too now that I uh, think about hey it. Hey, man, I'm on, I'm on to the semifinals in the Ooh. WFUV Fantasy League. Where are you sitting, Steve? Oh, that's right. The consolation bracket. Oh. Had, had, to, had to get it going. I, no, man, I got, a, I got a tough matchup this week. Because I I don't know who to play. You know what? I'm going to get before before you start. And that's what he is here. Okay. Yeah. I want to ask you. So I got I got a a slew of wide receivers and running backs I can play. I got Decker and uh, and Andre Johnson going at at wide receiver. My flex Denario Alexander. Thinking I could put Alexander, you know, and and take Decker out and put someone else in the flex, but there are there are really not that many options. Bilal Powell, uh, a guy who could have a good game, and then also I think I have. that, that the Jaguars running back now, Parmele or no Owens, Montel Owens. Mm-hmm. I have Montel Owens, um, and then uh, you know Blackman, but Blackman's he plays for the Jaguars, so automatically wide receiver for the Jaguars, and he's out. It sounds more like you got a slew of question marks there. Bleal pa- Powell with toe injury, he might not play. Yeah, but I, mean, I think if he does play, he's gonna have a good game. Sean Green's there too, mind you. Yeah, but it's Sean Green, not the same back as I don't Bleal Powell speed back. Anyway, so 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 who would you play in that? that you didn't answer my question all right well let's get... there was a question there yeah all right all right well i'll get into running backs then because sean green is one that i said i would start this week he has looked solid the past two games with 44 carries for 181 yards and a touchdown he has 23 fantasy points over that span 
and this week he faced a Titans defense that has allowed running backs to score each of the past three games. And like I said, with Powell banged up, I think this could be a big week for Green, and I would stay away from Powell. By the way, I, I would, I would, uh, I would pick Andre Johnson. He is, he is. On I mean, my I, team. I'm of course picking Dre. Yeah, he's the real deal. Um, we we should back up here and go to quarterbacks. I think that's always a great way to start because that's where a ton of points tend to come from. Who are you looking at this week, quarterback wise? Well, I know he's been banged up of late, but with the playoffs here, show some faith in two-time Super Bowl winner Ben Roethlisberger. All right, he showed up. He showed that his injured left shoulder and I'm sorry, his injured shoulder and ribs are not a problem with his performance last week against San Diego. He had 22 completions on 42 attempts for 100, 285 yards and three TDs. With the Steelers' running game sputtering, I expect Ben to keep carrying the load. And another quarterback I like is Carson Palmer against the Chiefs. His Raiders may not be winning many games, but Palmer has done a nice job for fantasy owners this year, and especially at home. In Oakland, Palmer has at least 18 fantasy points in all seven outings, and he should finish his home schedule this week with another solid performance. So in Carson Palmer, you trust this week in fantasy. I can't believe that he is, is in the playoffs, but it's the fantasy playoffs, Mike. So, of yes. course, fantasy is, is not reality. All right, he's sitting, Steve. Oh, like I said earlier, Jay Cutler. I would stay away from Cutler this week. The Packers, despite having the, the neck injury, he, I think Jay Cutler really won't show up against his Packers defense. He had four fantasy points against Green Bay in Week 2 and had a terrible history against Green Bay with an average of 200 fa- passing yards in five meetings with six touchdowns and 11 interceptions. So I would stay away from Cutler because he is a question mark, and I would also stay away from Ryan Fitzpatrick against Seattle. He has just one game with more than 13 fantasy points in his past four outings, and the Seahawks have been dominant in past defense. This game should feature a lot of C.J. Spiller for the Bills, so I would stay away from Fitzpatrick and Jay Cutler. Well, you don't know if it was because of PEDs either. We'll, we'll see in the coming weeks because of that. Anything is possible, I suppose. Well, that... it's just Sherman. He got he got suspended, or he got test positive for PEDs. Right. So you should be playing, though. There are question marks. Yeah, I mean, he's still... He, he's still at, they don't think a decision's come on his appeal, but anyway... Sticking with fantasy, we talked about running backs, so you would start who you're sitting at the running back position. This is a very crucial position here, uh, the heart of most fantasy teams. Well, I know you guys were talking about the G-Men game earlier, and I would sit Falcon tailback Michael Turner. It's a risk to to sit Turner. (laughs) I hate Michael Turner fantasy-wise, always. It may be a risk to sit Turner in standard leagues because he is a touchdown machine scoring in four consecutive games and five of his past six. But he has just one game with more than 46 rushing yards since Week 9, and despite the scoring streak, he has just two games in the past three with single digits in fantasy points. The Giants have only allowed one rushing touchdown in the past four games, and Turner's workload has dwindled, which can spell disaster. So I would stay away from Michael Turner. So uh, you already mentioned Bilal Powell's a, a question mark for you, and Michael Turner is a, is a no-go for you. Uh, are there any guys you, you want to throw out there that, that you like that, that you may have already mentioned or... Well, like Kenny said before, Martel Owens of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's a little bit banged up right now, so I'm not sure how that's going to work exactly with Parmalee also in the mix. But Martel Owens had a nice week last week against the Jets, and if he is healthy, check your waiver wire, scoop him up, and if you have a flex position open, get him in there. So there's maybe a guy you can pick up on the flex here in the playoffs to try and get those extra points. Wide receivers, uh, Kenny already mentioned Andre Johnson. Uh, who, who else are you looking at? I think he's at? an automatic play. <laughs> yeah. It has to be. Well, two people guys may be hesitant about that I would get in my lineup are Steve Smith and Mike, your boy, Josh Gordon. <laughs> Smith has a great matchup this week against the Chargers since San Diego is tied with New Orleans for the most passing touchdowns allowed to receivers at 18. 
There have been 10 wideouts who have reached double digits in fantasy points against San Diego this year, and I think Smith will make it an 11th. Gordon, meanwhile, has picked up his play the past two weeks with 14 catches for 202 yards and a TD. He should have another solid outing against the Redskins, as they have been one of the worst pass defenses in the league all year long. So I like Gordon. I like Smith. Guys, you know, a little hesitant for those guys in the lineup, but I think they'll have a good week this week. And, of course, I dropped Josh Gordon, so that's always fun. Uh, but I, still, <laughs> I, I picked up Denario Alexander, so I'm living large. All right, tight end-wise, I bring up Vernon Davis, like, every week, I think. Guy's a disappearing act, did nothing last week. Can you trust him in the playoffs, especially if you're in the semis, or do you go with someone else? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Vernon Davis, like I've said all year long, just based on the fact that that offense has too many moving parts. There's, you know, Frank Gore, Jacobs complained this week, last week about his not, not enough playing time, and he's gone now. But I'm just saying how there is a little discomfort there with the amount of touches because you got Randy Morse, you got Crabtree, you got Jenkins, you got Mario Manningham. There's so many guys that like want the ball, and there's only so many opportunities, especially with a rookie like Colin Kaepernick at the helm. So I would stay away from Davis, and I would look for a guy like maybe Greg Olson. He's been tremendous of late with 21 fantasy points in his past two games, and he has four touchdowns during his past five outings. The Chargers defense has also struggled with tight ends lately, so I expect Olsen to have a big game. So there's a look around the fantasy, a couple of waiver wire mentions that you got in there. Needless to say, good things to look at. He's doing it all. And that's why we bet. No, wait, we pay him for uh, for pick him. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. Yeah, good, good catch there, Michael. This is what he's really good at. I I, I know it. So like, Yeah, like the week he didn't pick a, a game right? 0, 0 for 7, was that? Hey, whoa, couple. whoa, whoa. You've been there, done that. All right, I let's have. calm down. Uh, Steve, we already got, uh, got a couple picks in here. Uh, Giants are playing this week against the Falcons. Who you got in that one? I like the Giants. I think the Giants are really going to pick that game up as the final weeks come, come on, like they do every other year, it seems like. Jets are playing the Titans in Nashville. Who are you taking in that one? Well, our playoff hopes are still slim, so I'm going to say the Jets. Got to hope they can uh, keep the thing alive. So All the right. Jets do have uh, dreams here this Christmas, hoping for a gift there from the Titans. We've got a couple of games here to pick. Green Bay is in Chicago. We already talked about some keys. I'm taking Green Bay. Uh, Nick Legerfo, he's taking the Packers. Who would Julian take other than Green Bay? Steve, who do you take? I got the Packers as well in this one. Kenny. Defense wins championships, and it also beats Aaron Rodgers. The Giants. Ooh. The Giants taught me that. Chicago. Chicago in that one, so he's picking against everybody. Denver is in Baltimore this week. Two very different teams on uh, kind of different tracks right now. Nick is saying the Broncos win that one. Julian says Baltimore is winning this one. Kenny, what do you say? Tough for me because Marino has been real good. Manning is, I mean, he's never been bad at all. Uh, maybe his rookie season. I, I got to go Baltimore. I like that defense. I like Jim Caldwell coming in there, and I like Ray Rice, and I think that Marino gets shut down. Made I some, do. Made some good points there, Kenny, but this is Peyton Manning, Broncos. He does not get shut down. This is Denver, and it is Peyton Manning. I'm going with the Broncos on the road to keep the streak alive. The Steelers are in Dallas this week. Julian says the Cowboys win that matchup. Nick says the Steelers win that matchup. I say Stellars. Uh, it's Ben Roethlisberger did not look good last week. Romo, he looked better, not good. Yeah. Romo, got it. Still a lot of emotion going through our Dallas Cowboy locker room. We'll see how they respond. I'm going to go with uh, Pittsburgh in this one. Toilet Bowl, someone's got to win this, right? Oakland is in Kansas City. Obviously, uh, a matchup that uh, isn't what it used to be. 
Nick says Kansas City. Oh, Romeo. Uh, Julian says Oakland's going to win this one. I say Oakland is going to win this one as well on the road in Arrowheads. You know what? Forget it. I'm going with Romeo Cornell. Who are you taking here? Big game from Carson Palmer, I think. I think Oakland Raiders take this one. <coughs> can't Raiders. I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it, right? <laughs> so Kenny goes with the Raiders there. Upset time. Tampa over New Orleans, says Nick. Oh, he always takes my upsets, I man. Know, Come I on, know he Nick. Does. So is it fair to say, would you like to get yours no, in now? I, you know what? Go around, and, I, and then I got it. Fair enough. He's going to come up with another one. Julian says San Francisco over New England. For me, I'm looking Carolina at San really Diego. Good. All pardon. right, all right. That's, that's so, cool. Uh, I'm just, just I'm taking all this stuff. throw this out the window. He, he's getting <laughs> angry here. So that's going to be my pick. Uh, who are you taking here? Well, I nailed the Carolina pick last week. This week, I think St. Louis will beat Minnesota at home. That's a good one. All right. San Fran over New England. I just bet against Tom Brady. How big, how big I just of an upset bet is that, against though? Tom Brady. It's a five-point spread. Julian took that, too. So you, you Pittsburgh, just... Dallas, a one-and-a-half-point <laughs> spread. Baltimore, Denver, two-and-a-half. New England, San Francisco, five. <laughs> Julian took San Francisco over New England, too. You can't win, so... Uh... I mean, I, I was one of three who took Dallas yes. last week, but I was so convinced that Tony Romo was going to win. You know what? You know, my, my, my dark horse here, and we'll get a laugh track, I'm sure, on this next week, is Jacksonville over <laughs> Miami. That's the, that should be the toilet bowl. Why is that, why is that I, the toilet I bowl? Don't know. I don't right, know. That game was already who, who messed that one up? I, I don't on. get to make the selections who anymore. Who messed that one up? Yeah. Miami's a seven-point favorite. Are you kidding me? For the what guys, have they ever been a seven-point favorite? <laughs> for the guys who messed that up, Julian Atienza and Nick Legerfo. For Kenny Ducey across the table from me yet again. In Steve Seminary with his fantasy analysis, I'm Mike Watts. Thanks for joining us this week. And go Browns? This has been One-on-One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as the guys take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.